Hey all, Doug Blair here. What you're about to hear is a special bonus episode of the Daily Signal podcast from our time at the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. On today's episode, we hear from Taylor Winston, an Iraq war veteran whose quick thinking saved dozens of lives during the 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting. He joins us to discuss his act of heroism and why it's so important to protect our Second Amendment rights. This interview was recorded live at the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit, so please pardon any excess noise. We are joined today on the Daily Signal podcast by Taylor Winston, an Iraq war vet whose quick thinking during the 2017 Las Vegas shooting saved countless lives. Taylor, it's an honor and it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. So your act of heroism on that day was instrumental in saving numerous lives. So if it's not too much to ask and it's it's a little not too sensitive, would you be able to sort of take us through what happened and what you did during that, that event? Yeah, absolutely. And um, like we were talking earlier, we got some pump-up music. We're over here in the exhibition hall at Turning Point. Um, but I like to tell you guys about my story a little bit. It gets a little, little rough in some patches, but we'll we'll keep it PG. Um, so the Route 91 Music Harvest Festival is in Las Vegas, Nevada, 2017, October 1st, and. Um, I had finished working with some country artists at Stoney's and um, one of the main guys asked me if I wanted to go check out the show and I was like, yeah, I'll go catch the last act, which was Jason Aldean. And he gave me some media passes and I went and joined all my friends. And um, I had just got there. All my friends had been there all day and they were left to the stage. And I went to go get my first drink and I heard um, what sounded like gunfire. and. No one was reacting, no one was even flinching. They thought it was maybe fireworks. But I was like, in my brain, I was like, that sounded like some pops going off. And um, I was like, maybe it's just outside the festival or something, whatever. And then proceeded to purchase my drink and then rejoined our friends. And I heard it again. And then I really perked up because I was for sure that was gunfire from somewhere, but still no one was moving or doing anything. And I could see other people starting to look around too. The concert was still full going. Jason Aldean was uh, into his second song. And um, then moments later, uh, just pure chaos. Um, bullets started raining down into the festival. Um, people started screaming, falling all around. I started running. Uh, my initial act- reaction was instant fear. You know, felt like. You were gonna die. You heard bullets getting closer and closer and closer. And as you were running, people were falling, and they were just the unfortunate ones getting hit. And, um, we got to the back fence line, and we were trying to get people over the fence. And uh, if you've ever seen like the tops of the fence, they got like little pokey spikes and stuff. People's uh, dresses and shirts and stuff were getting caught, and they were having trouble getting over. And they were getting shot while they were trying to get over the fence. And something that you'll never, ever, ever not see a day in your life. I see it every day. Even being here, anywhere I go, I'm always thinking something bad might happen. Um, but once we got over the fence, I realized that people were still getting shot and help wasn't going to be coming fast enough because ambulances can't go into an active shooting zone until it's um, completely done and, and secured. 
And so I've been to enough festivals and I thought to go to the uh, employee parking lot and look for a vehicle because they often share vehicles and leave keys in them. And by the grace of God or some higher being, uh, the first one I checked had keys in it. And so I drove back into the gunfire and started checking people uh, to see who's most critically injured and just loading them up in the bed of the truck and in the back seat and just cramming as many people as I could and uh, sped off to the hospital. And once we got to the hospital, we unloaded and no one was prepared to, for that scene. Just staff started going crazy. We were just dumping bodies right in the lobby. and uh, The floor was pretty much painted red. And when I unloaded the last person, I looked at um, my friend Jennifer and said, uh, I have to go back. And I was going to grab a military guy who I saw because other people were starting to arrive doing a similar thing. There were many heroes that day. Um, and she looked at me and said, I'm going with you. And I was like, I don't know what's waiting. I don't know. We didn't know it was one shooter. We had could have been shooters on the ground, could have been all kinds of other stuff. We had no idea. But we just knew our fellow friends and family were getting shot and killed and they needed help. And so we drove back. Um, loaded up again, took another full load, and we did two full trips and have been credited with saving a little over two dozen people. And um, we then parked the truck at Stoney's and left it and went to our friends that night for safety. And one of the big things after it was I knew news would want to get a hold of the story. And as soon as as soon as the next day came, we were getting calls from everyone, and I told all my friends, like, I'm going to do all these interviews because it's a good story to encourage others, but uh, more importantly, we're going to keep it about healing and the community, and sure enough, they immediately started asking me questions about gun control, do you think XYZ would happen, and I just would leave interviews and, or tell them I'm not going to do interviews if they were trying to make this about, um, you know taking gun rights away and so now it's three years later fast forward um, I'm finally starting to talk about my story more and I'm gonna use it to advocate for guns and um, be a big pro 2a influencer in, in the mix and start getting into the conversation more and um, fight feelings with feelings because um, what happened that day was pretty horrific and to still support guns I think is kind of hard to find so sure absolutely and, and thank you so much for sharing that story it's it's such an inspiration to hear what you did and you put yourself in danger but you know you, you decided to do it because it was the right thing to do i'm curious as to what was going through your head when you decided to go back i i I don't know a lot of people who would do that. I think a lot of people would say, I'm safe now, I'm going to stay here. But like, what was going through your head? I just knew um, that it was really bad and a lot of people were dying. And sometimes uh, you just gotta put that before yourself. And I had military training, I'm very capable. I knew I could get back and get more people to the hospital. And you know, the whole time we, we thought we'd be driving and, and, you know, if you were to be driving down the road and a shooter was on the ground, they could easily just start shooting your vehicle. And I started running through these scenes in my head as I was driving back. Like, if that were to happen, I'm just going to run into them and duck below the dashboard. Like, um, but um, 
just nothing more important than to help others and uh, just do what you can when you can. Uh, I was very blessed to not get shot and I was able to do quick thinking, get a vehicle and save people, but just opening a door for someone and doing good things throughout the day, you know, everyone's a hero. Definitely. So now you mentioned that you had a lot of interviews after the incident that were asking you questions about, you know, would this have happened if there had been gun control? What do you think we should be restricting guns? A lot of people after other shootings have come out in favor of, you know, gun control. There are some notable exceptions like Kyle Kashuv. What do you say to those people that say we should take away the guns? I say to them that what they experienced was very tragic and horrific and I don't want to ever take away from them that their experience was really bad and, and their feelings of that situation may be leaning towards that if there were less guns there would be less violence but that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, there's many, many studies that show more guns equal less violence and at the end of the day Mass shootings are horrific, and I never, ever want to have anyone experience that, but I would go through it again and again and again to protect our gun rights because it protects us from something far worse and bigger, and that's a potential tyrannical government um, committing genocide. And if you look throughout history, it repeats itself. And tens of millions, and mil Russia killed, I think, 65 million of their own people in the last 100 years. China, who even knows? There's genocide being committed all over the world right now, and America is the only country that has the means to defend itself, not only from a domestic threat, but a foreign threat as well. We hope we never have to get to that point, and it may not make sense right now because everyone's so peachy and comfortable and privileged to live in America, and I just think they're very privileged, and I would say to them, um, you know, educate yourself on guns, learn more about it, and I do find that there are good laws, and we have many laws that are in place already. I don't think we need more laws, we just need more education and um, just more resources going into just helping everyone own a gun. It's all right. Sure. Now, I, I'm curious, what do you think is the state of gun rights in America right now across the country? Do you think it's in a, a dangerous place? Do you think it's in a, a place that we need to be concerned about? I think mainstream media has put a magnifying glass on specific events and most places that have less gun rights are usually large cities where there are more resources and police officers which then we can get into the whole um, conflicting argument of less police and also taking guns away which is absolutely disastrous um, but big cities are typically more privileged to have a cop or someone arrive 10 minutes or less, um, they usually are there to clean up the mess. They're not there to prevent anything. Um, criminals will get their hands on guns no matter what. And the vast majority of America is rural. They need to protect themselves. They don't have the privilege of having someone come help them in 10 minutes or less. It could be half hour, hour, even more, or just don't have help at all. And so I think the vast majority of America uh, strongly supports the Second Amendment. News is trying to magnify it that everyone's kind of against it. I think it's the first thing from the truth, and it's only a small, small percentage of the population. And everyone just needs to be educated because, you know, history does repeat itself. We're going down a slippery slope, 
and we all forget that China, Russia, we still have enemies. They do not like America. We are a beacon of freedom for the rest of the world, and that scares them. So we need to remember that we're all in this together, and we're only fighting for gun rights, not because we're against you, but because we love you, and we want to be able to protect you. I think that's a fantastic thing to keep in mind, is that we're not doing this because we're these evil people. It's because You're, you're not our enemy. We love you. So now that we are, we, we have this idea that gun rights are kind of under attack in America, do you have any advice for people who are going through sort of like these adverse situations who are fighting for these, these freedoms and these rights? What would you say to those people who are trying to fighting the good fight? Anyone who is wanting to be more in the conversation, just education, education, education. It starts on the ground level with friends and family and you know, cl people close to you. Uh, they just need to experience it. They need to go to a gun range or sit in a class and be taught what a, what a gun is. It's essentially just a tool that only comes to life once you pick it up and use it. Uh, if you use it improperly like any other tool, it can be harmful. Um, and I think just starting little clubs or taking people out and, and getting together and just talking about the conversation versus shutting it down is going to be the best way to, because I, I experience it all the time. I have friends who absolutely think guns are the worst thing in the world. And then they see me handling it and they see how safe it is. And then you just start breaking them down little by little. Like they feel safer when I have a weapon and, and I'm around them because they know that I will protect them. And I think a lot of people have just been very privileged, and there's, it doesn't make sense right now. The gun, guns don't make sense. Yeah. Uh, we, we, live, we have a great life here in America, the vast majority of us. You can literally do anything you want, and resources are abundant, and it's just up to you. So I think just educate, educate, educate. I think that's really good advice to keep in mind, is just to be educated find out what the truth is, right? So, yeah. and, we, and don't be abrasive. If someone's really against you, you can't, you can't fight fire with fire. You get more bees with honey. So absolutely. just be sweet, take it what it is, and it takes time. You're not going to win them over in one argument ever. Right. It's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. It's taken years to get some of my friends who are Democrats to be okay with 2A. And we sure. have good conversations. They bring up great points. But then you uh, do a bird's eye view and all that stuff we argue about on a lower level, like my child was killed in the mass shooting. That is absolutely horrific. I can't even describe that. I can only speak on myself for surviving a mass shooting myself, but to lose someone, your own child or someone, I understand where you're coming from. But you have to remove that feeling from the bigger picture that here in America, we are free because and we have all these rights because of the Second Amendment, and we need people to be able to have these weapons down the road. It may not be our generation, maybe three, four, five generations, but history will repeat itself at some time, and there will be violence, unfortunately. Okay. Well, Taylor, we are running really low on time, but I, I, I really appreciate hearing from you. As a sort of last note, I always like to give our guest the opportunity to sort of say, if there's one thing that somebody takes from this interview, if they only took one thing away, what would you want them to take away? I would like to have people walk away with two things. I said it earlier, um, just do what you can when you can. You don't need to go above and beyond on everything, but just little things count every day. And the second thing is, is be less abrasive when you're having conversations with people who have opposing opinions. You will win them over in the long term just by being the better person and being um, 
just nicer and more and just more education and you can help educate them and yeah that's fantastic yeah, no, I, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Well, that was Taylor Winston. He's a veteran and a whose quick thinking saved countless lives during the 2017 Las Vegas shooting. Thank you so much, Taylor, for joining us. Thank you, guys. Don't go anywhere. We also have my interview with Jordan Sarmo, a faith-based musician and host of the Speak the Truth Without Fear podcast. We talk about cancel culture and how we can best fight back. This interview was also recorded live at the Turning Point USA Student Action Summit. So again, please pardon any excess noise. We are joined today on the Daily Signal podcast by Jordan Sarmo, a faith-based musician and host of the Speak the Truth Without Fear podcast. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So as we mentioned at the top, you were a musician or slash are a musician, yes. but how does that translate into politics? How does that translate into political action? Well, it never did. Um, I mean, I've worked in the entertainment industry my entire life, and I you know, lived in Los Angeles for the last eight years, but I just made the move. After lockdown number three, like I mean, they shut down the studios. You couldn't, you couldn't have any writing sessions. Seventy percent of my income was coming from gigs, touring. All of that got shut down, and you know, within a day, and that just changed everything. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, I still did a lot of digital sessions and stuff, and had a lot of writing sessions over Zoom, but it just it wasn't the same. And then November third happened. And I, that's kind of what really got me interested in politics, because I've never gotten into politics until really about four, four, five months ago. Okay, so you tended to be more like, I'm not really thinking about it. And well, I was scared to death of cancel culture. Like sure. Living, living in Hollywood, you don't, you know, I voiced my opinion a little bit in 2016 when Trump announced his, his run. Um, but, and I did a little bit, and immediately I started losing gigs, started losing mm. sessions. I was called racist, white domestic, I mean, just everything, everything yeah. you could think of. I mean, even my neighbor, my neighbor found out in my apartment complex, like, it was just, it was horrible just to walk in your apartment. Sure. So it was a whole nother level of cancel culture, so I just, I scrubbed all my social medias, never talked about politics until November 3rd is okay. when I started getting interested. Sure, and actually, on that topic, let's talk a little bit about cancel culture. I mean, I think everybody who's listening to our show right now would probably agree yes. that cancel culture is a really big problem. Yep. So, I guess, I'm curious, how do you think we got to this point? Like, you know, how are how is cancel culture so common right now? The media. The media. I think the media has done such a good job at dividing us and lying, and people have believed the lies, and they believe the propaganda to the point where if you're a Hispanic or black or any race supporter of Donald Trump or supporter of America first policies, you're a racist. Mm -hmm. And this is what the media has done. Uh, and that's why when, you know, when Donald Trump and a lot of conservatives say that the media is the enemy of the people, I mean, that's really, we are, I ex I've experienced that. I've experienced the fruit of the media, how they've divided this nation so much to the point where just by the person that you vote for, sure. you can lose work, you're canceled, you're labeled all of, the, you know, what Hillary Clinton said, if you're Trump supporters, they're, you know, basket deplorable, they're homophobic, xenophobic, like they've, they know exactly what they were doing. They've caused this divide. And now we're at the point where I won't be surprised where we'll start having people snitch on each other for other things in the future. Sure. Now, are you saying that you've been canceled at some point? Oh, yeah. I've lost sessions. I've lost gigs. I mean, I haven't experienced it too much 
like other people, other friends that I have, because sure. I also worked. Majority of my gigs came from the Christian music industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played keys for a lot of different bigger Christian artists, and so and a lot of them are conservative. Um, but yeah, I've definitely lost gigs. I have. Um, lost a lot of friends, a lot of music industry connections just because I'm labeled in the moment, especially now. I mean, before I just like kind of voiced it a little bit. Now I'm like, uh, there's no hiding. <laughs> I jumped all in, baby. Yes, no, looking at your social media feeds, it was kind of like, oh, I know where this guy stands, which is good. I yeah. think that that's an important thing to sort of be who you are and be very open about it. But um, on that sort of note of cancel culture, I mean, what do you do if, you know, you're on the verge of being canceled or like, how do, how do you counter cancel culture? Where do we go from here? I mean, it's tough. It, every, I think every situation is different. Depends on your job, where you work, who you live with. Is your, is your spouse conservative or liberal? Because, I mean, I never was really open about politics until really January 7th was the official day. I made my first political post on social media. And so it's really, I think every situation, it dictates it. Um, but for me... Dude, it's the mo- it was the most freeing thing. Like, it's, it's like coming out of the closet, so to say. <laughs> like, for re- I mean, for real. It is so freeing when you just post it and you don't care. Right. You don't care what anyone thinks because, like, we are, we've been trained to, like, worry about the fear of man and what people sure. think about us. And that, it's a bunch of BS, dude. The reason where we are today with cancel culture is because we've stayed silent. Sure. And so we have... It's the way us speaking out and being bold about our beliefs, bold about our values, pushing back when people lie in your community or your job and they say, hey, you know, ABC. And you're like, no, that is that is a fault. That is a lie. I'm going to push back on you. But we've been so pushed and scared into cancel culture. where We're even scared to say the truth now. It's insane. And that's why we created Speak Truth Without Fear because I started this, you know, this Instagram platform and we have, I bring on a different panel to have different discussions and really discuss certain issues because we are where we are today because we stayed silent and we have to change that. Well, no, I mean, that, that brings me to my next point. You do have this podcast, which is Speak Truth Without Fear. I think one of the themes that we've been picking up on this interview is the idea that you should not be afraid to express your true feelings. So can you tell me a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah, no, it, it started randomly. Um, it started right after uh, about a month after January 7th, so mid-February. I felt siloed. I felt alone. I was like, you know, I was doing some social media content for politics. And I'm like, you know what? I need... I need to meet other people that are in this space. And so I just started forcing this conversation because I want to know information about about the border. I want to know more, inf- but I wasn't at the border. So I started bringing people that were really speaking truth. They were pushing against the media's narrative. They were at the border. They, you know, they were in Colombia. I mean, Colombia was a big thing when that whole crisis that happened yeah. in Colombia. I brought in journalists from Colombia. And so we started the Speak Truth Without Fear. It happens Monday through Thursday, every night at 9 p.m. Eastern, right on Instagram Live. Um, and we just have a different panel discussion. And it really started bringing all these worlds together. And I've had probably over 500 messages over the last two to three months. Like, you don't understand, this panel on this brought so much clarity. Or, hey, you red-pilled my husband tonight. Or, my child, my 12-year-old kid begs me by 845, hey, don't forget, Jordan's on at nine. Like, because, but people are learning and it's, it's those messages that really encourage because it's like, we're really making an impact and people are, they're hungry for truth and they don't want to, they don't trust the mainstream media. I saw a study, I saw a study a couple weeks ago that 
8% of, of conservatives trust the mainstream media, only 8%. Right. Yeah. So they're looking for independent journalists, they're looking for a lot of these political com independent political commentators that they want truth from them, but they, they want to bypass the filters of mainstream media. And we've seen that with Project Veritas has leaked a lot of this stuff, even with Fox. Yeah. And we don't... We, we don't we don't trust anyone. We want to go straight to the people. We the people, man. I think I mean I think that's a really interesting point that you're saying. You know, you need to make an impact. You need to find the truth. And one of the other things that when I was doing some research on you is, uh, your social media is like really prolific. You have quite a bit of social media. Yeah. When I imagine social media, I do not think conservatism. I almost think that the radical left is on Twitter. The radical left is on Instagram. The radical left is on Facebook. How do we use this tool? to our advantage? How do we use social media for conservative causes? Man, I mean, it's, it is the way that we get the word out. So, I mean, it's, so, it's such a huge part because that's where the public square of conversation is right now on, right. on these platforms. What sucks being a conservative is you, you, like, I mean, no lie, every morning I wake up and the first thing I, when I look at my phone is, did I get a post deleted today? Yeah. Did they fat the independent fact checker? So it, it is like you're paranoid all the time. What am I allowed to say? You put in the emojis to block certain words, like you know, any specific words that'll get you canceled. And so it, it you have to be strategic about it. But it's so important that you learn how to play the game because regardless of what it is, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter these are tw these are tools right now that these are the platforms where you can you can really make an impact the fastest. And so you gotta figure out a way to do it. Now there are other platforms like Getter that are happening and Rumble and a lot of these other platforms that hopefully this parallel economy continues to grow and we won't need these Googles and big tech giants because they really are communist organizations that, at my point, in my, in my mind. I think they, they, they are do doing everything that the com con communist regimes of China and a lot of these other countries, they, what they want, so. Definitely. Well, Jordan, we are running a little low on time, but I wanted to leave the last word to you. So let's say if they only take, the listeners take one thing from this interview, what would you want them to take? I would say, number one, screw cancel culture and no seriously screw it like i know it's bold but like do not have any fear man be bold about your beliefs never hold back when someone makes up lies or does it or is attacking you that is a complete lie and propaganda what push back and then the other the other thing is i would say get involved in local politics i cannot tell you how important it is we always are worried about what's going on at the federal level the presidency which are very important but obviously we're in the state of Florida right now. We're in Tampa. And if you go to, you go to Lake County an hour down the road, we, have, we never had any mask mandates, nothing. Tampa, Orlando, Miami, it was basically just like California. And so we did, a lot of these cities didn't get to benefit the actual policies that Ron DeSantis put in because of socialist mayors. And so it's so important that parents, kids, everyone gets involved on, on the local politic level. You know, find out who's running your school board. Find out, get get on the election commission, precinct committee, men, whatever it is. Get involved and be the change. Don't, the time to talk about it is over. It's over. We're done talking about, you know, and complaining about what's going on in our communities. The time is to get involved. And if you go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com and you put in your email, the first thing that we send you is a one-page document, and it gives you three steps on how to get involved. Number one, you put in your address. It finds a school board, mayor, everything. And then we teach you, we give you a phone script, how to call them, be nice, the whole thing. So if you, if you go there, 
you'll, you'll, we'll give you that document right when you come in. Excellent. Good to know. That was Jordan Sarmo, the host of the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast and a faith-based musician. That's right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Kate Trinko and Rachel Del Judas. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, visit DailySignal.com.